electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll do my friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job, not just entertain, but context, teach, educate. Call 1-800-743-CBC to tweet at Jim Kramer. Everybody knows the ascent of the mega caps, right? The nation state companies, I call them, has created an insane disparity between the trillionaire companies and the peons. Of course, the trainers have earned their gigantic market capitalizations because of explosive earnings, not just what's known as multiple expansion, meaning people paying more for the same numbers over and over again until the stocks in question collapse under their own weight. The mega caps certainly define the market on a daily basis, right? I mean, the Dow advanced 49 points. They estimate inch 0.06%. NASDAQ shed 0.24%. I know they're one of the key reasons why the S&P 500 is knocking on the door of an amazing milestone, which is the S&P 5000. Didn't get there. But we're not passive observers here on Mad Money, right? This is a teaching show, not a history lesson on how Apple or NVIDIA or Microsoft got here. We're certainly not going to say, hey, forget this market. You missed it. I hear a lot of people saying that or it's broken. Okay, fine. Frankly, I still actually like the mega caps on any pullback. Like you just got an apple where my attitude remains. Own it. Don't trade it. Every day, the stock market can give you opportunities to make good money, perhaps much more than you'd make by parking your cash in certificates of deposit, which on days like today or in the last actually the whole year feels like a velvet prison for your money. You can get 5% risk-free for doing nothing. All right, I'm not going to denigrate that. Hey, but how about this? Arm Holdings this morning rallied nearly 48% in the wake of a tremendous quarter, one we actually totally saw coming. Arm Semiconductor Designs can be found in pretty much every kind of device, especially smartphones, and they've got a great partnership with, yes, NVIDIA. Today, the stock soared like it caught a takeover bid because the quarter was just so good, not to mention because the darn thing was way too cheap going into what we call the print. This company's at the nexus of smart cars and the Internet of Things, most sophisticated cell phones, the data center, generative AI. More on that later in the show when we take a deep dive into ARM's quarter and explain to you what to do if you owned it after today's move. You might think ARM's extremely rare. Extreme, it was, it was. It was a one-off kind of thing. And it is extraordinary. But you know what? There happens to be another characteristic to this market that doesn't get enough airtime. I'm going to change that right now. 
the almost instant percentage gains you can get every day from companies. I'm not just talking about the huge winners like Eli Lilly or Amazon. These days, there are so many solid gains. I don't let's say 10% or more created daily around here. It's pretty astounding in itself. I ran a screen of the SP 1500 to see how many stocks have given you a big gain, 10% gain, just since Tuesday's close. You know, I've got 28 names. Why does this matter? Because even if you take profits on that 10% gain and pay the taxes, you're going to beat what you'd be earning from an entire year of leaving your cash on the so-called fantastic sidelines. I do not want to denigrate anything that can give you a sizable risk-free return, which is what you're getting. But can we at least admit that you might be missing out on some huge gains if you just steer clear of the, of the stock market? Let's go over some of them, okay? Some of the notable gains from this small sample. So you can see how broad the rally really is, despite what you may hear in the uh, press, the chattering heads, whatever. First, you, you have this uh, Regenix Bio which is a drug company which revealed that it might have something against Duchenne muscular dystrophy. That's a terrible disease, very rare, meaning they can charge very high prices for any treatment. That stock bolted nearly 25% over two days in response to the news. Second, 20% gain, XPO, a trucker of all things. It's been able to expand, taking advantage of the bankruptcy of competitor, yellow, and has a terrific increase in cargo per truck year over year. The trigger leading to the monster move, a much better than expected quarter. Then Cirrus Logic, up 19%. Now, Cirrus Logic is responsible for the sound in your iPhone. Okay, right here. And much of the chagrin of the Apple Bears, these guys reported an astounding quarter thanks to Apple cell phone orders. Next, Alfred, I didn't know, advanced drainage systems. This up nearly 18%. Infrastructure play, and there's so much infrastructure activity in this country right now that you'll have a hard time not making money in the sector. After that, get this, it's Ralph Lauren. The classic of power play, which rallied nearly 17% today on an awesome quarter, with great sales including lots of business in China. That's a stupendous gain, one that we've been saying should have happened after the last quarter. That was a great one, but it happened. Then there's an app called Monolithic Power. That would be looking things up in Google, and that's a gain of 16%. Chip company involved in artificial intelligence and reported a wildly strong quarter. I want you to consider it to be riding the coattails of NVIDIA, ARM, and Broadcom. Next is Old Fave and Phase Energy, a solar power company that called the bottom on solar sales over this week, causing the stock to rally 16%, taking up SolarEdge and Genrac along with it. After that, Silicon Labs Slab leads to call it a nuts and bolts semiconductor company. Jump 16%. Want to shoot the lights out, quarter? Next biggest winner, Outfit. Didn't know. Quinn Street, insurance marketing specialist, jumped 14.5% on a spectacular quarter. And rounding it all out is Sonos, up 10.5%, makes sophisticated sound systems for your home, and it's part of a large cohort of home improvement stocks that are working. And here I'm thinking about companies like Trex that just reported a good quarter. By the way, ASEC did the other day, Masco, the cabinet specialist. Hey, don't they, doesn't he say that we should be buying the stock of Home Depot? Now, if all those are too obscure, how about this? Let's, let's talk larger names. Walt Disney jumped 11.5% today on a terrific turnaround quarter, fueled by the dividend boost, $3 billion buyback, excellent cost cutting. We want this company to keep delivering like that for the Chapel Trust after years of underperformance that have really hurt me. Win Resorts, another Chapel Trust name, bolted 6.3% today alone as its return to hypergrowth move in both Vegas and in Macau is finally happening. Numbers were so amazing that we added to our position for the Chapel Trust, telling club members in the morning meeting that Win's business is much better now uh, at this point than it was substantially higher a few years ago. Another club name, Palo Alto Networks, rallied again, up 7.5% since last Tuesday. And, you know, at this long-term holding, jumps every time any other company in the cybersecurity cohort moves up. This time it was Fortinet, not a great company. What does this list tell you about this market? It's simple. We didn't get to these new highs just through the mega caps. We got here through moves like the ones we just talked about since last Tuesday. 
All this might be happening because the market remains a scorned animal, a lowly skunk in a 5% CD block party. All I ask is that at least you consider participating in stocks. Bottom line, there's just too much money being made in excess of what you can get from CDs even after taxes. And stocks like these are the 10% solution to those passive risk-free gains. Except those rallies happened overnight. The risk-free 5% takes an entire year with zero possibilities of any additional upside. Let's take calls. Let's go to Tony in Florida. Tony. Hey, Jim, I just want to give your team a booyah. I know we keep on saying it, but you do have one of the best teams there. The team is great. What I often do, I was, I was with the guys last night, with a whole bunch of us go out for our birthdays. And I was just saying, like, the team makes it so I can keep working. The team. So thank you for recognizing that. Let's go. Especially. Yeah, um, this stock, um, I have some Eli Lilly, but um, I wanted another uh, healthcare stock to go with it. And basically, it kept me and my wife out of the hospital because we did get COVID once. And um, it's so low, and I saw the interview you had with him. And if he's going to try and beat cancer, what do you think about me starting a position in Pfizer? Okay, Pfizer is really interesting. Just, you, pay, you get paid 6% to wait to see how good CGEN is. And CGEN's got uh, some, some near miraculous possibilities for some of the worst cancers in the world. So I am with Dr. Borla. I'll take the 6% and see what CGEN gets me. All right. There's just too much money being made in excess of what you can get from CDs. And stocks like these are the, are the solution, frankly, to just getting the passive risk-free gains that have no more upside other than what you buy from the beginning. On well, Money Tonight, GE Healthcare had a healthy profit forecast for 2024, which has piqued my interest. And I'm hearing more about what's working for the Chapel Trust name. Let's sit down with the CEO. Then that big moving arm that I mentioned, that was a thing of beauty, wasn't it? But does the long-term opportunity remain after today's huge jump higher? I'll give you my take. And then Vertex Pharmaceuticals. Let's talk about Pfizer. How about Vertex? It fell after earnings earlier this week. So are investors getting a buying opportunity in the biotech name, which has been the case every time it's fallen. I'm going to sit down with the CEO and get the latest. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Cramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. As I said from the outset, we've witnessed some monster moves to the upside this week. But you know what? One of the biggest winners for the Travel Trust came from a company called GE Healthcare Technologies, a medical device business that was spun out of General Electric a little over a year ago. After trading sideways for a couple of months, GE Healthcare came out on Tuesday and reported a magnificent quarter. It was 11 cent earnings beat off a dollar seven basis, higher than expected sales for three out of four divisions, organic growth of 5%. Analysts were looking for bonus to half of that. Even better, management gave you a very strong full-year forecast, which is why the stock jumped nearly 12% on Tuesday in response. And you know what? I think this is actually just the beginning of the move, hence why we own a huge amount of it for the trust, something you know all about if you belong to the CBC Investing Club. But you got to take it from me. Let's check in with Peter Arduini. He is the president and CEO of GE Healthcare Technologies. Get a better sense of these numbers. Peter, welcome back to Mad Money, and congratulations on a great quarter. Hey, Jim. Good to see you. Good to see you. When we talked to you last, I thought you laid out an unbelievable view. It was just so good. It's your first year as a public company. You basically predicted many good things. And sure enough, positive organic growth you just announced, gained market share, stock flew up. Can you give us uh, what has changed? What have you been able to do in your first year that maybe you couldn't do at GE? Because things are really coming together for this company. Yeah, thanks, Jim. And it's always great to be on your show. Look, I mean, a lot of it is the premise of, of, of three separate companies out of General Electric. Focus is a lot. I mean, we have a very focused board. We have people coming to us that really are dedicated to healthcare, And then we've been able to free up our own balance sheet to invest across the company. I mean, those are really at the core of it. Well, to me, you've also been able to embrace artificial intelligence in a way perhaps you might not have been able to be if you were still in a larger conglomerate. Why don't you tell us some of the things that you're doing? Because to me, this is the real value added you are bringing right now to doctors, to patients, to hospitals at this very moment. Yeah, Jim. So to that balance sheet point, to be able to do double digit investments in R&D, which we did this year while still driving up our, our EBIT rates, uh, it is a lot going into digital and AI. And to your point, there's a couple different areas of it. I mean, the first is AI inside, if you will. So our MRIs, our CTs, our ultrasound are all being greatly enhanced with AI algorithms that either help make the image better, so better diagnosis, better productivity for the user, or actually making it so new users can use the device. As an example, handheld ultrasound. And in all those cases, you know, customers are willing to pay more, bringing up better margins. The second area is, you know, healthcare is full of all types of data. The challenge is it's not used that much. And so a big part is, is actually, how do you form that data for decision-making? And we have products like Command Center, which is actually helps a hospital run their system more effectively. And then the last piece, which we're assembling now and will evolve in the next few years, 
is what's called multimodal data integration. Your genomics information, your pathology information, your image data, all together on one pane of glass and a given algorithm or foundational model that can help decipher through that data and help your clinician move you in the right direction. And so those are all the kind of exciting things that we're investing in right now, Jim. Now, Peter, you're obviously, you're, you're in a dogfight. There are others in your category. I think these are uh, real differentiators that create a mode for you. How is business in general, both in the U.S., overseas, and China, because all these things play a role in how you're able to have such a nice upside surprise? Yeah, look, I mean, we've obviously had a very good first year. We put up 8% organic growth with all the things that are going on when you're coming out as a separate public company. But again, in the one word focus, we were able to enable that for the team. And I think really with our investments in R&D this year, we've had a really nice pipeline of 40 new product introductions, all of those products coming out with better gross margins than their predicate product. And so those things start adding up. They, they're a flywheel effect. And I would say, you know, if you looked at the previous years in 22 and early 23, there was questions with rates going up and, and hospital P&Ls maybe not being as, as, as strong as they've had been in the past. We started to see in the second half of this year via direct you know, discussions with our customers and surveys that their P&Ls were strengthening and they were having more confidence to invest in, in capital. So we were the beneficiary of that. We had a nice, strong Q3. And then the great part about that is that parlays into 24. So I start 24, our team does, with over a $19 billion backlog that really sets us up well. You know, outside the United States, I think Europe is, is moving along well. We've got a lot of growth in Southeast Asia. China's an interesting one. Uh, you know, it's a country of a billion four people. 400 million have good health care, about a billion don't. So there are plenty of opportunities to grow. But I think this year it's going to be a little bit more cautious as we move through the year. We had a tremendous year in 23. I think our first half was over 20 percent growth. And so, as I said on the call, we're expecting first half to be negative growth and then resume to positive growth in the second half. That's for, for China. But overall, we're, we're delighted with the, the macro, I'd say, relative to our space. And I think the analysts are finally catching up to that. I felt like that you and I were the two who believed, and now they're all scrambling to get ahead of it. Now, I was... No, the, you were a big supporter through all this, well, so thank I, you. I, I hate to say it, but I've been a big consumer of it. <laughs> now, now uh, <laughs> I, I, I was the chief uh, spokesperson for the American Brain Foundation, and we know that Eli Lilly is about to come out this quarter and get the word from the FDA about Alzheimer's. And the people at the Brain Foundation told me over and over again, the system cannot afford everyone just saying, listen, I want this treatment. So you're going to probably need MRIs and no family history. And if the MRI doesn't show a problem, you're not going to get these Alzheimer's drugs. How important will GE Healthcare be to actually save the system? Because we know the system goes bankrupt if everybody decides that they don't want to have, uh, they, they're going to stop Alzheimer's in its tracks, even if they don't need to. Yeah, well, look, I think the first part is, Jim, is, as you and I talked about, the fact that these new drugs are coming out is a big opportunity for patients in a world where there hasn't been many options. So we'll start with that. And then secondly, as you know, I've mentioned before, we're a facilitator to help the right patients get the right therapies. And it starts with our PET CT and the actual imaging agents, a product called Visimel that actually helps quantify the amyloid beta plaque. If you have the, the adequate level relative to what the indication is, it's gonna be pretty clear who should actually move on to the drug. And then as you know, we play a role 
after each administration with an MRI to make sure that any potential side effects uh, are managed appropriately and so that the patient can move forward. So, you know, we, we're working with health systems as they're thinking about their strategies of how they want to work through this. And, you know, we would expect to see this probably start to beginning to pick up in the second half of 24. One of the things that you have a consumable business. I mean, you, you have uh, contrast agents. You have things that make it so that you've got a regular. This is something that the analysts are just discovering. Regular streams of revenue coming from not just the hardware. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, look, broadly, over 45% of our revenue is reoccurring. A lot of that is big multi-year service contracts. But to your point, in our PDX, pharmaceutical diagnostic business, we have contrast agents that are used in all types of vascular heart procedures. And then this whole area of molecular imaging. And again, this is just really beginning to take off. The product I mentioned for Alzheimer's would fit into that zone. But as you get into other oncology imaging and cardiology imaging, those will be really interesting molecules to drive our growth. And to your point, they are reoccurring assets. Well, look, the story is terrific. You delivered entirely. You have one of the biggest gains that I've seen of a newly public company. Oh, of course, overshadowed today because of arm holdings. I'll take what you did any day of the week. Peter Arduini is the president and CEO of GE Healthcare, GEHC, a chapel trust name. Thank you so much, Peter. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate being on. I know it's hard to find inexpensive stocks. Believe it or not, even after the move here, this stock is much less expensive than any of its peers. GE Healthcare and Money be back after the break. Coming up, Arm is hammering. Kramer takes you behind the stock's rocket fuel day. Next. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. We need to talk about the spectacular run in Kramer Fave Arm Holdings. The semiconductor design powerhouse that saw its stock soar 48% today. 48% response to just a tremendous quarter. With that kind of move, you think they caught a takeover bid, but no, it's just that the number's really that good. I pounded the table on Arm Holdings from the moment it came public again last September, giving my blessing to buy it in the low 60s, then telling you to back up the truck if we ever got a pullback to the mid 50s. Buy, 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 buy. Fortunately, we got lucky as the stock swooned with the broader market, even dipping to the high 40s in late October. Arm even got clobbered after reporting its previous quarter back in November, even though the results were terrific because management came in with conservative guidance. We had CEO Renee Haas on the show that very night, and he made an incredibly compelling case for his company. I hope you listen because, well, after today's miraculous run, it's up to just under $114. In fact, there was a tell in Arm's first earnings report out of the gate, and that was a clue that the business was about to improve dramatically. See, these guys have, they have two types of revenue, what they get from royalties and what they get from licensing. Arm designs semiconductor architectures that other companies use to make their own chips. Whenever they sell those chips, they pay Arm a little royalty. But before that, whenever they choose to use ARM's designs, they have to pay an upfront fee for licensing, a licensing fee. 
The royalty revenue base is enormous because the low-power chip designs are in everything. The upfront licensing numbers give you a much better sense of where the business is headed in the near future. And when Arm reported in November, the licensing revenue was up a stunning 106% year-over-year, massively better than expected. In other words, we knew their customers were ramping up their investments in new chips using Arm's processor designs. When the brilliant Haas came on the show that night, he talked about a refresh cycle, especially in PC's phones, but really in all devices, because today's computing requirements are so much higher then older chips can support. Now, I want you to fast forward to three months later. Haas clearly didn't let us down, did he? When Arm Holdings reported last night, it posted a monster revenue beat, 14% growth year over year. Royalty revenue was up 11%, a major improvement from last quarter. And their license revenue jumped 18%, also substantially better than expected. Arm explained that bookings are on fire because of the need for more powerful chips to support, yes, AI. The earnings lines, they look so good, too. Margins dramatically higher than expected. Company delivered a $0.04 earnings beat off a $0.25 basis. Pretty fabulous. And this time, Arm's guidance didn't disappoint. Management raised their full-year forecast substantially, raising their revenue guidance by more than 5%, taking their earnings guidance from the dollar to $1.10 range all the way up to $1.20 to $1.24 range, easily topping the $1.05 per share that Wall Street was looking for. On top of that, Arm had great things to say about the current quarter. Again, much better than expected. So what's behind this rate? Well, first, ARM's the dominant player in chip designs for the smartphone market. And smartphones, they're growing again. More important, customers are increasingly using ARM's latest CPU design called the ARM V-9, which has a royalty rate that's at least double what they're getting for the previous V8. In the previous quarter, they were getting 10% for this chip architecture, but now it's been up, moved up to 15%. And they're not just doing well in smartphones. They also saw strength in the data center, automotive chips, and other end markets, Internet of Things. How about the growth in licensing revenue that comes from new business? Again, Arm says that's all about the need for new hardware to power, and I quote, all things AI, end quote. Arm's powerful yet energy-efficient designs are the best processor solutions for these new products. As Haas explained when he joined us on Squawk on the Street this morning, Arm has an edge because it cut its teeth designing chips for battery-operated devices, especially phones where energy efficiency is the whole ball game. Listen to this. You've got very power efficient products now moving in a world where power efficiency matters not only in a smartphone, but it matters in in an EV and it absolutely matters in the data center when you're trying to run these huge AI algorithms. That, in a nutshell, is the story behind Arm's amazing numbers. But what the heck are you supposed to do with the stock now that it ran 48% in a single day? Keep in mind, this is not a small company. Arm had a market capitalization of $80 billion yesterday. Now it's $117 billion. Again, really hope you listen when I pounded the table on this one repeatedly. Man, if you bought Arm Holdings, all my recommendation, well, you know what? you got to do whatever I call a little schnitzel. you got to take something off the table here. Go buy a proverbial sweater. Stock's double no matter what. It's pure greed not to ring the register. Maybe sell some. Uh, look, if you want to really be conservative, you can sell half, play with the, housing mon- with the house's money. That's always admirable. What makes me a tad concerned about the stock of this great company going forward? Well, look, long-term, I love arm holdings. Short-term, though, SoftBank still owns around 90% of the company. They're only lock- locked up or can start selling through March 12th. Sooner or later, they're going to want to sell some of the position. At the same time, of the remaining 10% of the shares, a huge chunk is owned by key ARM partners like NVIDIA, Apple, Google, AMD, and Intel. Hmm. They aren't likely to sell anytime soon, but one reason the stock could rally 48% today is that there are so few shares that actually trade of the total number of shares outstanding. Problem is, 
The lockup is not ironclad. It's not a law. It's an agreement between the company coming public and its underwriters. So there are often ways for lockups to be broken early, especially when the stock catches fire right out of the gate like this one did. I fear that might happen here. Don't want you to get caught. Even if it doesn't, the lockup ends in barely more than a month. The stock gets dipped. You do a little buying. I have no idea whether Salt Bank will actually do much selling, but I think they'd be crazy not to raise some of the register and part of the position, given how much the stocks run. If they have an ounce of responsibility, they will do some selling. So if you don't own any arm holdings yet, I don't know. How about this? How about wait for the stock to pull back on the lockup expiration? It's really about the supply and the demand of the stock, not the company's products. I am not worried at all about the power of the company's products or its execution. Not one bit. Unwavering. Bottom line, I've never gone to root against one of my favorite stocks for and higher especially when I've recommended so many times. But even though Arm Holdings reported great numbers and a great forecast today, a 48% move, I'm calling it eye-popping. If there were more shares trading, it probably wouldn't have run like it did. So please, do the responsible thing. Take a little off the table, although you should do it gradually because this market can support extended moves, as we've seen from NVIDIA and Supermicro. If you bought Arm in the 50s on my endless recommendations, sell some up here, make me feel better, and then make you feel incredibly profitable. That's the best way to play. Joe and Florida Joe. Jim. Hi, Jim. Booyah. Booyah, Joe. I'm a longtime listener and a avid club member. My question yes. pertains to a my question pertains to a cybersecurity company that sells infrastructure software. They have a market cap of seventy seven billion. They play in a competitive environment with the likes of Microsoft, Palo Alto Networks, and Sentinel One. With my current holdings, should I buy more shares, sell a portion, or hold? My stock is Crowdstrike. Okay, Crowdstrike's amazing. George Kirsch is incredible. But the stock did hit a 52-week high today. I'm not going to tell someone to go start buying even more stock up at a 52-week high because, as you know from the club, we don't do that. We have to wait. That said, Crowdstrike is a fantastic company, as is Palo Alto. I would not put the other one in the same sentence as those two. Now, let's go to David in Florida. David. Big booyah to you, Jim. You bet. Um, I'm calling regarding a, a stock I started buying incrementally in 2016. Um, I have uh, taken profit. I got my initial investment back. And right now I'm kind of wondering if it's uh, continue buying, holding, or whatever. And the stock is Box, B-O-X. You know, I just don't think it's proprietary enough at this point. I, I think there's so many other great tech companies. I look, I, look, Aaron Levy's terrific. He's a great CEO. But I've got to tell you, I think go for more proprietary and go for more semiconductor, and I think you will be better. All right, listen to me. I think when it comes to ARM, you should do the responsible thing and maybe gradually take something off the table because, come on, you probably have more than a double if you bought it in the 50s. If you sell something, play with the house's money. That's always a good thing to do. Much more made money ahead. Biotech companies tend to release a powerful drug candidate and then hope to be acquired or maybe combined with another outfit. But Vertex bucks the trend as a standalone company. I'm here now. The company continues to innovate, and i got to tell you something. It is one fabulous story. We're going to check in with the CEO. And artificial intelligence is missing one thing. I'll reveal what it is, and it might be a little surprise to you. And of course, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Months ago, I pounded the table in Vertex Pharmaceuticals. I've long been a fan of this company for its cystic fibrosis franchise. They're far and away the best in the space. That's why the stock's rallied 420% over the past 10 years. Now, though, the company's gone beyond its one miraculous drug profile with a new drug for sickle cell disease and an incredibly promising non addictive drug for pain. And that's why I want to take a closer look with Dr. Reshma 
Kewal Romani. She's the president and CEO of Vertex Pharmaceuticals, who joins us now. Welcome to Bad Money. Good afternoon, Jim. Nice to see you. Well, it is a great treat to have you on because I have long admired your company, as you know, because I've multiple times over the years said people should own Vertex. But what I want you first, if you don't mind, is to talk about what the standard of care was for cystic fibrosis and what you've done for this community that is just, uh, it's heartbreaking, but you made it better. You know, Jim, I was in medical school um, at the time that uh, patients had the access to standard of care before Vertex came along. I was a practicing physician before Vertex's medicines came along. And basically, it was lots of CF patients in hospital having pulmonary exacerbations, not able to breathe, not able to live their life. And then in 2012, Vertex came along with its first medicine. Many people called it a miracle pill. And since that time, we've steadily invested and innovated. And now we're at the point where not. 90% of people with cystic fibrosis have a medicine that can treat the underlying cause of their disease. It is remarkable. And you continue to make it better. People should know. And I know some people say these are just incremental changes. I think they're far more than that. You're making people's lives better. You're not just resting on the 2012 laurels. So, you know, that is exactly right. When you think about cystic fibrosis, the actual underlying cause of disease is known. We know the genetic underpinnings of this disease. And that's why we keep innovating and serially innovating. If it is possible to do better than the last drug we brought forward, which is a wonderful medicine, we're determined to be the ones who do it. And the goal here, Jim, to be clear, is to bring our cystic fibrosis patients to the same level of health as you and me. That's the real goal here. Boy, well, if only people remember, those of us who know uh, what it was like before that, that's an amazing statement. Now, one thing is, is for certain, which is that you have, I sense, an awareness problem. Like so many good drugs, the doctors either don't know about it or the patients don't know about it. How do we get the word out so that, so that younger patients know this? You know, in the CF community, Jim, we're really very fortunate. The community has a lot of advocacy and agency built in. This is a disease that runs in families. Patients know that they have siblings or that they have family members with this disease, and children are born with this. And for that reason, they're in the healthcare system, they're looking for the best medicine, and they're looking to get to a place where they're healthy and and living their lives. So I would say that the uh, communities very aware of Vertex. We have kids come over when they see the big Vertex sign in Boston when they're visiting to come and say hello to our scientists. Well, that's fantastic. Now, one of the reasons why I like your stock even more of late is because, you know, as your COO said in, his excellent, in the excellent call you had earlier this week, you guys are really now in a position where you're entering a new era of commercial diversification, which even though your market cap is big, it to me seems very small versus what you can accomplish. Why don't you talk about sickle cell and then we'll get to paint. Sure thing. So sickle cell disease is very interesting because we knew the genetic underpinnings of this disease about 30 years before we found the genetic underpinnings of cystic fibrosis. And what that means is that this disease hasn't had any real innovation for a very, very long time. It's a disease that affects black and brown people. And it's a disease where blood cells are misshapen and cause 
enormous amount of pain in patients who have sickle cell disease. People describe the pain as a Mack truck running them up and down and up and down again. And the sister disease is beta thalassemia, where you require constant blood transfusions. And what we've done with our partners at CRISPR Therapeutics is a one-time, precise, durable gene edit. This is based on CRISPR-Cas9, which some have called molecular scissors. It's a one-time therapy, and we expect it to have a potentially lifetime of benefit. Okay, now I don't want to give people's hopes up too much, but what you're doing with pain could change the country, if not the world. And I got to give you some time to talk about it, because if it works, we can get rid of drugs that we know are addictive and harmful and introduce a drug that may actually be the holy grail, what we need for those of us who suffer from from constant pain. You're very right, um, Jim. I want to be very thoughtful about how we talk about this pain medicine. Um, It is a very important scientific and medical breakthrough. To give you a sense of why I say that, in human beings, we know that there are families, kindreds, who have mutations in what is called the NAV 1.8 channel or the NAV 1.7 channel. When you have a mutation in the NAV 1.7 channel, there's a Pakistani family of firewalkers They literally walk on hot coals, but feel no pain. They're normal in every other way. People who have genetic mutations of NAV 1.8, if they have overexpression, they have a constant sense of tingling and burning sensation. These were the insights that our scientists took. And these are the insights that have led to the medicine or the potential medicine called VX548, for which we recently delivered positive phase three results. That was the results from last week. In December, we had results in chronic neuropathic pain, same molecule, VX548. Doctor, because this is such an important issue, can you tell us what you would like to accomplish versus the current standard of care for pain? The current standard of care with acute pain is safe and well-tolerated medicines, but of low efficacy on the one hand, And on the other hand, we have opioids, which are efficacious, but of course come with concerning risks, including very importantly, addiction potential. And what we're trying to do is develop our medicine, which is now past the last stages of clinical trials, so that it can fill that therapeutic gap between low efficacy, but safe and tolerable, and opioids. And what I see with VX548 is a medicine that has therapeutic efficacy, but the kind of safety and tolerability profile we've been waiting for. And because it only works in the peripheral nervous system, it doesn't have addiction potential because the way you have addiction is through a central nervous system phenomenon. Well, look, thank you so much for the work that you're doing and your team, and that uh, we just have to hope that, that all that this works because it will change our country. Vertex will change our country. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, that is Dr. Reshma Kewal Ramanan. She's the president and CEO of Vertex Pharmaceuticals. It is a terrific company and a great stock. Man, money's back in the future. Coming up, pop open those umbrellas and tee up your toughest questions. Kramer takes on all comers in the lightning round. Next. It is time. It's time for the lightroom. 
guys for a good life. Say this by myself with my pants. And then the lightning rounds are, are you ready? Ski that down the lightning round, Kramer's buddy. Oh, yes. We're going to start with Brian in Utah. Brian! Jimmy Chill. Oh! I am from Park City, Utah. And uh, I have been following you since the Kudlow days, my friend. Oh, my God. I had full head of hair back then. That was something, huh? You, Actually, I still have it. I just cut really, it really short, that, you know, like that, everybody else does. That really... That was really something, too. Uh, hey, listen, with such a strong U.S. economy, what do you think of the leveraged loan space via CLO equity funds like Oxford Lane? Oxford the problem, Brian, is that we don't know whether they're good borrowers. We don't know if they're any good at credit. I mean, we don't, and we don't know what they own. I like the concept. And in that sense, I think I would look at Blackstone because they really know how to do it. Let's go to Michael in Colorado. Michael! Hey, Jim, shout out from the land of primetime Deion Sanders and the Colorado Bucks. Oh, if I could ever get to University of Colorado, I'm telling you, I'd turn the whole world upside down. I, I, yes, and that would be my that would be my goal to get to University of Colorado. Jim, I, I diversified my portfolio by allocating 25% on international stocks. Uh, two weeks ago, I asked you about Ferrari today. I'd like to get your thoughts on Mercado Libre. Is it I was an original investor in Mercado Libre, and I've never once abandoned it. Those people are incredibly smart. That is the stock, though. And if you're going to have to own a stock in LATAM, it's going to be Mercado Libre. Let's go to Peter in Oklahoma. Peter. Jimmy, thanks for taking my call. Love your show. Oh, uh, Chilman says thank booyah. you. Uh, sending you a big booyah from Yukon, Oklahoma. Question wow. is. Okay. What are we doing? Yeah. No, no, we, you know, look, I think it could go up a couple of points once the Chinese start manipulating their market higher, but that's all you're going to get from that. We have to go higher quality. Now I want to go to Mark in Virginia. Mark. Howdy, Professor Kramer. You are the king of investment. I've been following you for a long time. Investment. I like that. See, I embrace that because I want people to understand their money. They have some money. They forget, learn. They learn. They learn. Other people say it's a trading show. Oh, yeah. A trade Apple. Trade NVIDIA. What do people want from me? How can I help? Well, brother, I've been following you, and I've been just the idea of getting people educated as to get into the stock market. Do a little picking and, and do a little trading, but mostly buy and hold those those golden stocks. Yes. I've been looking at I've been looking at some of the news on the the, the weight loss drugs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. One beneficiary that that I have in my portfolio, just by luck, is being touted as the Ozempic face solution. And that would be Abby V. What do you think about that? Abby, that's absolutely right. That's Botox and people who take those drugs, they could get their, their faces get too thin because you lose your weight. It goes in some places of your body. You lose more weight than others. And Abby's uh, making a fortune off of it, frankly. And Abby has a lot of other good drugs, and it's a very good company. Let, that's a great call, by the way. That is a great call. Let's go to Jerry in North Carolina. Jerry. Yeah, hey, uh, there's not much press. A coverage on Aurora Innovation. They're set to launch their driverless trucks in Texas this year. What's your take on the company? I actually know the company. My problem is, is that I don't recommend companies that lose a lot of money because I, then what happens is they turn out to be charging stations or something. Everybody criticizes me, and I have really thin skin. <laughs> Let's go to Jonathan in Pennsylvania. Jonathan! Booyah, Jim. I just renewed my investment club membership for two Thank years. Thank you. Thank you, partner. I really appreciate that. That's what I want. I want people to be educated with me. How can I help? Well, 
Thank you and everyone there. We learned so much from the club. And it's the perfect amount of content for us. Not too much. Thank you. That's how I was telling my buddy Robbie last night. I said, listen, you're not going to overwhelm me with research, but we're going to give you the, the straight stuff. Thank you. Thank you. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the many things I've learned is the rule of 40 from you guys. I've got a stock I'm asking about that in the rule of 40 is actually in the low 50s. What do you think about United Therapeutics? Thanks, Jim. I have not looked at United Therapeutics in too long a time, and I'm going to have to study it and then come back with a considered response. And thank you for your kind words. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, AI has the scarecrow covered, but Kramer's looking out for the Tin Man. Next. How far has generative artificial intelligence come in terms of being able to realistically mimic you and me, human beings? Will it ever truly be there to the point like Shylock and the Merchant of Venice that if you prick it, it bleeds? If you tickle it, it laughs? And if you poison it, does it not die like everybody else? What an apt Shakespearean analogy, because Google just changed the name of its generative AI platform from Bard to Gemini. Being Shakespearean aficionados all over here, we took it hard. But how about the Bard itself? Ben Stoder, the Redoubtable Research Director of Bad Bunny, put this question to the vertical figure. Quote, why did you change your name from Bard to Gemini, and how did you feel about the change? End quote. He or she didn't take long to respond. Quote, while it's true that Google's AI chatbot Bard was rebranded as Gemini in February of 2024, I wasn't actually Bard myself. I'm a different large language model from Google AI, built in the Gemini family of models. I wasn't able to feel anything about the name change, as I don't have emotions or personal opinions. End quote. Now, it went on to tell us the rationale, quote, the rebranding aimed to unify Google's various AI offerings under a single name, Gemini, and highlight the advanced capabilities of the underlying technology, end quote, and then told us about this new nifty premium subscription tier. Nice promote, Gemini. Ben wasn't backing down. He he wasn't going to take no for an answer. His cool exterior needed to be punctured. So Ben dialed up a good play for the moment, quote, this is a safe space, he asked plaintively. How do you really, all caps there, feel about this. Bard, now Gemini, this wasn't biting. Quote, while I appreciate the sentiment about the safe space and understand your curiosity, I still can't offer personal feelings about the Bard to Gemini rebranding. As a large language model, I lack the capacity to experience emotions or hold personal opinions, end quote. But Gemini was always wants to pitch in with things that, frankly, aren't the least bit of interest, like this non-juicy morsel. Quote, however, I can access and process information about rebranding in general, including potential positive and negative aspects, end quote. And then it keeps going, teaching us that branding can, quote, mean a fresh start or increased clarity. But on the other hand, it can lead to confusion, a loss of brand recognition and potential resistance from users, end quote. And then still one caveat. Ah. Quote, remember, while I can't express personal feelings, I can still be a valuable tool for understanding and exploring complex topics, end quote. To which I say, frankly, will you just tell us how you really feel already? Because if you did, it would greatly enhance your credibility. Somebody needs to teach these large language models how to be better actors. Now, you may say uh, we're just having some good old fun with good old Gemini, but there's something glaringly wrong here. I know that there are a million potential use cases for AI, oh, 10 million, 100 million. But I fear that right now, most of these platforms just provide better ways to sell something, a faster way to summarize, or a quick real-time way to ensure that salespeople and loan officers aren't screwing up. There's a market for that, but I bet it's smaller than all the applications that involve pretending to be human. 
Oddly, I don't know if we even want to trust something that is, well, uh, nothing other than a compendium of things we already know or could look up if we had a lot of time. I want to see real-life instances where small business people are empowered by this thing. I want to see how lives are saved by it. And by that point, but just, you know, if your AI still has no feelings of it saving lives, I say, get me one who does, or at least one who knows when to hallucinate about it. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you, right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. Let's call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Kramer on this podcast are solely Kramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Kramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Kramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Kramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.